Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Well, I want to welcome everyone listening to us on the internet today. Thanks for downloading this. Um, Why don't you open your Bible, please, to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 1. This morning I want to talk to you about something called the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I want to talk to you about something called the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, something which, as a church, ever since 1929... Uh, this particular church has stood for uh, both in a in a sense of what we taught and what we sought to experience was that it was very important to come to know Jesus as your savior very important to turn from sin and accept him as Lord and therefore master of your life but Everyone say, but. Oh, that's not very African, is it? Come on, but. That's it. That's good. (laughs) But, or as well as, as well as the importance of receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord, there was something else for Christians to experience. The most important thing, of course, was to receive Jesus as Lord. The most important thing by a billion miles was to know Jesus as Savior. But there was something else that God wanted people to experience and have. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. An experience which was something that was subsequent. That means it came afterwards. Sometimes just a few seconds afterwards, sometimes because of uh, uh, just life circumstances, it might take many years afterwards, but something that was extra, something else that God wanted people to have. I always used to preach God has given us two great gifts, his son, you know, his precious blood, his cross, and his presence to empower us. And so for the Christian, to receive Jesus as Savior was to receive the gift of His precious blood, the the effect of the cross, His life, His death, the forgiveness of sins, but there was something else. An empowerment from on high. A gift of the Holy Spirit coming upon a person that they might be empowered to do the works of Jesus in this, in this life. Accompanying that experience so that people couldn't really sit down and say, I wonder if I've had that or not. Like Paul arriving in Ephesus in Acts 19, arrives and says to the guys there, Hi, I'm Paul. Reminds me of Street Evangelism the other night. Hello. It's so fun, street evangelism, you need to learn to do, run up to a large group of people and go, hello everybody. And most of them run for their lives. 
But he arrived there and said, hello. He found that they were disciples. That means they were Christians. And he asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Have you had this extra? He asks them. And they say, well, we never even heard that there was something extra. And he explains to them, puts his hands upon them, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And so what we discover is that if you can say to yourself today, I don't know if I've received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, likelihood is that you haven't. Because the experience is something that you know if you had it or not. That's why he was able to ask them, have you received or not? They didn't say pass. They said no. And what we find is that accompanying the arrival of the Holy Spirit into someone's life in this powerful way, this empowering way, would be the ability to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. It could be many other things too, but initially and particularly that, that special ability. Let's look at some of this in the book of Acts. You got your Bible? You got your Bible? Say I. You haven't got it? Say O. You can't say I and O. Acts 1 and verse 8. You will, Jesus speaking to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. I want you to notice the word and here, because I'll come back to this in a minute. You're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 2, please. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. You notice the word each? Not some of them. Not some of the special ones. Not the blessed ones. Each of them. There's a flame for every head. Can you say amen? It's a quote from Reinhard Bonnke. Shall I do it properly? There's a flame for every head. It's not good enough. But I'll work on it. Came to rest on each of them. Verse 4. And all of them. Not some of them. Not a couple of them. Not the blessed ones. Yes? All of them. The whole jolly 120 of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Let's move now to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. Peter has been guided to go to a house to preach to some people. And uh, as he's preaching to them, seems like God decided he'd preached enough. Oh, that that would happen to many preachers today. 
Sometimes they call themselves reverend. We call them never end. Let's see how you feel about me though. Better not eat my words. But while Peter, verse 44, was still speaking these words, he had not even finished his message. He hadn't got to point three with a cheeky illustration and a conclusion to finish. While he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The Holy Spirit said, we've had enough of this now. Let's skip to the altar call. (laughs) <laughs> let's cut out the, let's cut to the chase. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, am I the only African here? <laughs> While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. How did they know? How did they know the Holy Spirit had come on them? Did they go, oh, we're we feeling something? Or, oh, I feel, oh, boy. Oh, I can feel something. Or was there a sound? Or did they all fall down? Backwards, forwards, sideways, wh- whichever way. What happened? How do we know? How do we know the Holy Spirit came on them? How did Peter know? Well, we discover the circumcised believers, verse 45. That's the Jews who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Verse 46, for, that means because, because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Now one more, Acts 19, the one I referred to a moment ago. Acts 19, verse 1, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples, the word disciples in the New Testament is never used of anyone other than Christian people. So they weren't just religious people, they were genuine followers of God. And and he Paul asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we we never heard that there was a Holy Spirit. So then he has a chat with them, and now we just pick it up in verse six. He baptizes them, he adds a little word with them, and now he's going to pray for them. And in verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues, they spoke in these foreign languages, and prophesied there were about 12 men in all. Paul asks them this question that I want to ask you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, what we don't mean, of course, in order to become a Christian, there is, of course, the involvement of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, as Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. So you can't be a Christian without the powerful involvement of the Holy Spirit. So we're not talking about the theology of that. We're talking about the empowerment element that Jesus spoke about when he said this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses to me in all the earth beginning in Jerusalem. I want to ask you this question. Have you received this power? And if you have not, here's some great news. In about 20 minutes, 
I'm going to stop speaking. Or sooner if the Holy Spirit decides. In about 20 minutes or thereabouts, I'm going to stop speaking and we're going to ask God to put his power on us. And so if you say to me today, well, I never quite had this experience. I think it's about time we made some opportunity for that to occur. Because if the first church needed the power of the Holy Spirit, then so do we. And so do you. In order to bring the kingdom of God into the earth today. But here's my, here's my, here's my question to you today. This thing about speaking in tongues. Now you don't have to answer this question. But let me put it out there. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Don't you think? It's a bit odd. I remember when I first came into a Pentecostal church in 1988. And all around me, they were singing and uh, it was all happening. And then behind me, some big fella. So I might try the Baptist church next week. But he's a bit strange. But I guess you get them everywhere. No sooner had I thought that than the lady just down the road here. Hoi, what I did. Okay. Wonder when this is finishing. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Have you ever wondered why God would give such a weird thing? Now, I know you may never have spoken of this, so I'm going to dare to speak it for you. You just said, well, praise God, that's what he wants to do. But it is a bit odd. Now, we won't... Listen, it's just between us. But it's a bit odd, isn't it? Speaking in another language. Why? And some people get offended, of course. Well, I don't need to speak in... What's the point of it anyway? There's no point if you can't understand it. People talk like that. It's a bit peculiar. But I want to share with you for a few minutes, if I may, why I think from the Bible, God has given us this rather peculiar, rather illogical thing that we do when the Holy Spirit comes on us. Are you happy? So here are a few reasons. Uh, from my reflections, why does God give us this ability to speak in other tongues. What on earth is it all about? And why particularly is it a sign gift? Uh, why does it accompany the baptism with the Spirit? Why did God particularly want to give us the gift of speaking in other languages when we first receive the Holy Spirit? Number one, everyone say number one. Uno, un, and various other words for one. Number one, let's have it. Why does God, why does God, when we receive his power, cause us to speak in a foreign language? It's totally, totally obvious. 
Because he's reminding you in that moment that you've got to leave town. Now, maybe not within half an hour. But God's word says this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Now one of the problems in a church is, and of course I've been a pastor a long time, you look around and you think, you daren't preach this. The only time you dare preach this is when you've resigned from the pastorate. So here we go. Now you look around and you think, well, everyone is just so busy. Pastor working 200% just to get people to preach to their neighbor over the fence. And when they do, we want to get them up and give them a clap. But that's not in the Bible. In the Bible, God's put a call on you for other places. Yes, the garden fence. Yes, Jerusalem. Yes, Jerusalem. The place where you live. But and all Judea. Can you, can you, can you, can you say amen? And Samaria in the north. And to the uttermost parts of the earth. Hear the word of the Lord today. Every time you speak in tongues, listen, it should be a reminder to your very soul that you should be preaching in other places, foreign places, places where they don't speak your mother tongue. Say, Peter, this is not a very Mother's Day message, is it? All right, let's retitle it. Lose your mother tongue. There, there's the title. <laughs> Mother's Day message, 2014. God's called you to the nations. And you look around and think, well, look, I haven't got enough money, you know, to get to Ely at the moment. I'm a bit strapped for cash to get to Peterborough. But every time, every time I speak in tongues, it's, 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 it's reminding me, it's reminding me that I gotta get going. I gotta go to foreign places. I gotta go to foreign places. You say, well, uh, does that mean we abandon Cambridge? No, no, because we gotta preach in Jerusalem and the ends of the earth. Not then. It's not Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. When I've saved up, it, up enough money, I've got enough experience. No, it's Jerusalem and Judea. 
and Jerusalem. And Samaria and Jerusalem. And the uttermost parts of the earth and back again to, to, to uh, Jerusalem. And that's as much dancing as I'm going to be doing in one sermon. Why do you speak in tongues? Because it's good? Because it's groovy? Because it's weird? No! You speak in tongues to remind you that you've got to go to foreign territories with this good news. Places that are foreign to you. It is essential to the baptism in the Spirit that it's not just for hooby-dooby and habby-dabby in church. It's not just who stole Mahonda Alavashandi. Tweet, tweet, tweet. Twit, twit, twit. In church. Yea, hither, yea, hither, thou shalt go forth, not turning to the right nor to the left. It's a reminder. Are you hearing me? Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, I, I better stop speaking in tongues. This is getting expensive. Newsflash. To be a Christian is expensive. Didn't anyone tell you that from the beginning? I do apologize. Foreign territories. Foreign lands. Foreign places. Now, thank God, today, you don't have to kiss your children goodbye, put on some sort of safari hat and get on a boat and never see them again. You can get on a plane one weekend, go preach and come back the next. That's good, isn't it? But every time you speak in tongues, your passport is jumping up and down in your drawer. Come on! Come on! It means I've got to go to foreign places. Now, it doesn't mean that when I get there, I, I, I know we've all tried this, haven't we? You think, oh, my tongue sounds a little bit Chinese. Oh, there's a Chinese takeaway. Let's give it a go. Hello. The bloke looks at you like, I think we'd better phone the police. All right. I'll have a chicken chop suey. Now, it doesn't mean that your tongue is the tongue of where you've got to go. Although the early Pentecostals did believe those kind of things. I don't think they were always right, of course. But they did believe those kind of things. But no, 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 no. I'm talking about the principle of it. Every time you stand in this church, every time you pray, when you come together on church, every time you pray, your passport's jumping. Your passport's jumping. Say, go, go into all the world. But of course, we're, we're church leaders. We want to make it a bit easier for you. So we say, why don't you go into all of your world? Go into all of your world. Yes, please do go into all of your world. But listen, why don't we go into all of God's world and all? Not just our world. God's world. Every time you speak in tongues, it should be a reminder to you that your destiny is bigger than the street. It's bigger. It's bigger than the city world. It's bigger than the city. It's the ends of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, reason why we speak in tongues 
when the Holy Spirit comes on us is it is a reminder that different kinds of people need to hear the gospel. That's a little different to foreign places. In Acts chapter 10, in that scene where Peter is preaching and the Holy Spirit falls, Peter's there against his best uh, wisdom. He doesn't want to be there because he has a spiritual racism about these people. There's racism, but there's spiritual racism, which is these kind of people are not to be reached by me. But he has to go there because the baptism of the Holy Spirit says on the inside of us, all people in all places, young people, older people, the middle-aged people, the poor people, and the rich people. I think that The gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people. And some in this room may have a passion to reach the poorest of the poor. But hear the word of the Lord to you today. Don't you be a spiritual racist against the well-off people. And similarly, those who will feel much more comfortable in a middle class sort of setting, don't you be so spiritually racist as to not sit with a man or a woman that hasn't had a shower for a good long time and whose breath is so alcoholic that you're frightened that you'll be pulled over by the police on the way home just by talking to them. All people, say all. All people, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a sign to you that I'm speaking in a language not my own. And it's a sign that the gospel is for people who aren't like me. As well as for people who are a bit like me. One of the greatest sins that an evangelist can make, and by evangelist, I don't mean a speaker now, I mean you and me. One of the greatest sins that we can make is we make up people's minds for them. Years ago when I was in Torquay, we had this big gospel piece of theater that we were doing. And we were all given tickets. Go and invite a friend. And the guy running it, he took us into a room and he said, I just want to talk to you about one more thing. He said, when we gave you these tickets for you to go and invite your friends, some of you did something on the inside. Immediately we gave you the tickets. You decided who you would invite. And by deciding who you would invite, you were equally deciding who you would not invite. Yes? And one of the greatest crimes as a missionary church will be to make up people's minds for them. To say, well, 
uh, John and Sheila down the road, they would never come to church. And you make up your mind. Well, look at them. Look, they are... They either they hate God or they have too much money or they're too busy or whatever it is that you decide for them. And you decide, no, I won't go and invite them. No, 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 because they, they, they just, I'm the kind of Christian-y type person and they're not. Am I telling the truth? Do we sometimes do this? Come on, raise your hand if that's, if that's true for you. Yeah, sometimes, oh no. You know, uh, look, you know, look at him. He won't want to come to church. He won't, won't want to know anything about Jesus. And we shut the kingdom of God by our decision that such and such a person will never accept Jesus Christ. I thank God the, peop- the people who led me to the Lord didn't know me. Thank God. Because had they known me, They might have thought to themselves, well, he's not going to play. He's not going to want to come to church. Thank God they didn't know me. They just preached to me because I was a human being. When we speak in other tongues, why has God empowered us with his spirit to, to, to reach the world for Jesus? Why do we speak in tongues when that experience initially occurs and afterwards too? To remind us. That our message is not just for people like us, but for all people. Number three, the reason why we speak in tongues is a reminder that when we share our faith, we have to speak in the language of our hearers. When the day of Pentecost came, they spoke in other tongues. To them. But to the people there in Jerusalem, they spoke their lingo. They spoke in their language. Yes. And I think this is absolutely key. If you have been in church for more than two years, and for many people here, many more years, Let me tell you that you now possess something called Christianese. A type of language. The language of Zion. And you get together with other Christians. And the way you speak is kind of in Christian language. Now I want to suggest to you that if we try using this language... In this culture, they won't know what we're talking about. It's not good to go up to someone on the street and say, are you interested in eternal redemption? Because they think, what is that about? This church used to be called Living Waters. I wish to apologize for that. Because people thought we were a drinks company for many, many years. Many years. A few years ago, we changed the name to King's Church. And as the name was being put on the wall outside, a guy walked by. True story. Presumably a local person. 
the context would suggest so. And as he walked by, he looked over and he saw the banner going up, King's Church, and he shouted across, Oh, he said, is it going to be a church now then? Because the name Living Waters meant nothing to him. You try going into work and saying to your, to your work colleagues, a bit of Christianese, wow, what a Sunday we had. God moved. They want to know, where did he move? What do you mean he moved? God moved. Oh, he moved. What happened then? Oh, then the fire fell. No way I'm going in there. Come on now. Can you say amen? The job of the missionary church is to take the old, 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 old message and without the tiniest piece of compromise, make it a new, new, new message. Translate it into the language of the day. When I was in Brazil, the interpreters used to get so scared and there were often young girls from a school and someone had gone in and said, who speaks a bit of English? So a girl put up her hand who watched, I don't know, an American film and roughly understood it and they'd drag her out and make her my interpreter in a sports hall and they'd be terrified of their English wasn't that good. So they used to say to me, can you preach the message to me first before we go out? I said, sure. So I used to preach the whole message to the interpreter first. Thank God for that because it meant I was shorter um, later because I was tired. I think they probably paid that girl a whole load of money. But I used to give the whole message right. This is what I'm going to say. This is, this, is, this is what I'm going to say. And then one night I was out preaching and I wanted to explain to the people that Jesus had died for them on the cross. And I began to think to myself, the cross. I'm not sure everyone will understand what a cross is. So I said, Jesus went to the electric chair for you. And now everyone understood it. You see. And since then I use that expression a lot here. Oh boy, did she tell me off in the back room, electric chair? You didn't say you were going to say electric chair. That sounds like Rhino Bonky as well. If you want to be a Pentecostal, you've got to speak in their lingo. Pentecostalism is not about having Christianese. It's not about having the language of Zion. It's about having the language of the people. On the day of Pentecost, they spoke in the language of the people. So the church today has to speak in the language of the people. And you want to watch your language. You want to watch your language. I don't mean you're swearing. But you want to mind your language as you share your faith. You want to mind your, mind your lingo. Am I communicating in a language that people understand? When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues... Every time you speak in tongues, let it be a reminder to you 
that you are supposed to speak their language when you are on mission in their presence. Can you say amen? Have you got time for one more? One more. Is a reminder to us that the God of miracles lives inside. Every time we speak in other tongues, how many know that it's actually impossible to do it? It's not possible, is it? How can anyone speak in tongues? They can't. It's not possible. And that's why people get so wound up. They come to the front and a preacher comes to them and says, okay, now speak in tongues. And the person says, well, I can't. I can't. And they've got two deacons, one on each side of them. One of them grabbing them going, hold on, hold on. And the other one going, let go. Let go. It's impossible to speak in other tongues. It's impossible. And yet somehow we do it. Hallelujah. Why did God give us such this weird, miraculous ability? Why did God do that? To remind us every day that although the work of mission is massive, Although we look out onto the harvest fields just of this city, but let me introduce you this morning to the harvest fields of other nations and other continents and other cultures long way from this building that need King's Church missionaries to go and be there and bring the gospel to them. Let me also remind you That as you speak in other tongues, it should be a reminder to you that you've got the impossible one living on the inside of you. So excited this week with some of the Madison students, they won't mind me saying, they've got themselves thrust out. We bring them to Cambridge and throw them on the street. Preach to these people. Go preach to these people. Oh, by the way, this is a Muslim area. But one of the guys this week, and they'll share their stories if they want to over coffee. One of the guys this week laid hands upon a man down at the YMCA for the first, he'd never done it before. The man was healed in front of his eyes. Another young guy was with me the other night. We were chatting with a couple of guys from the Muslim faith. And a word of knowledge came right into that young man's mouth. He began to Give him a word. Never done it before. It's wonderful, isn't it? Good soil, this. Good soil. Thank God. But every time we speak in tongues, it's a reminder that we've got someone impossible living with us. But he must be cooperated with. I'll draw to a close just with this thought for you. When the day of Pentecost came, The Holy Spirit came on them. But the Holy Spirit did not speak in the other languages. Just bring up again, if you will, Acts 2 and verse verse 4. Acts 2 and verse 4 says that when the Holy Spirit came on them, and surely He did, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But they began to speak 
in other tongues. They began to speak. And right at the beginning of the Pentecostal experience is this fundamental truth. God's power will live on the inside. But we are the ones who must cooperate with that power and put it to use. We're not waiting for revival. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is revival. God may wish to do other glorious sovereign things, but that's up to him. But the days of standing in a room and praying that God will bring people in are over. Over. Fill us up and send us out in the power of your name. What are we doing? Praying for revival so that the church will be more entertaining, so more people will show up, so we don't have to do nothing. Except buy more toilet rolls. Is that it? I love revival and God may wish to do something extraordinary. But revival is for us. The problem with Nineveh was not the sins of Nineveh. It wasn't the disbelief of the Ninevites. It wasn't the powers of darkness hovering menacingly over Nineveh that needed a prayer meeting to destroy. The problem in Nineveh was the reluctance of the evangelist to go and speak to them. That was the problem. It wasn't the demons. It wasn't the sin. It wasn't the lack of God's will. It was the lack of the prophet's will. The evangelist's will. To go and speak to them. Praise God. Isn't it glorious what's happening in this church? A whole group of people whose will is now agreeing with God's will. Ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Not to pray, but to preach. Not to stay, but to go. Not to ask God for more, but to say, I don't know if there's more. Praise God if there is, but I'm going to go with the little that I got. Maybe God will give me more. But for now, I'm just going to believe my beliefs. Sadobala tasubo. A reminder. A reminder that God's got a call on our lives to go to foreign places. It all sounds very expensive. We just, we've just got our head around getting down to City World at the moment. Can we just leave Bulgaria out of it? Just for a bit. What are you doing? You'd left and now you're coming back here preaching this. But hear the word of the Lord. It's about time some of you bought an air ticket, flew somewhere and preached somewhere else. By the way, you buy the ticket. If you don't want to go to foreign places, I'm going to be a bit, I'll just be a little bit provocative now, but please don't speak in tongues again. Because it's going to remind you of a destiny that you're not really fulfilling. Or, let's go through. If you're not, you're just going to preach the gospel to people who are a bit like you. 
You've not quite got it. All people, Samaritans, Judeans, the uttermost parts of the earth, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, you can use Twitter to do that, but you have to do a bit more, don't you? We use the internet. We use TV. Great, great, great. But we need to do a bit more. I'm hearing about new seats, you know, coming in here. Glorious. But a successful church is not based upon its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. It's not really about how many people are sitting here. It's about how many people are currently out doing the work of God. And one of the glorious things about this church is that this meeting, this Sunday meeting, is just really one of the exciting things going on in the week. But it's not the main thing. The main thing is the work of mission. When this service ends, the service will begin. The service will begin. So let me remind you, why did God, why did God give you this weird speaking in tongues thing? Because he's given you new shoes. And don't you know that every pair of shoes comes with tongues? You like that one, don't you? Say, well, I want the power of the Spirit, but I don't want these tongues. That's a bit like going into a shoe shop and saying, I want a pair of them, but rip those tongues. I don't have tongues in my shoes. Shoes come with tongues. And tongues come with shoes. It's time to go, isn't it? You say, yeah, I've been here listening to this preaching long enough. It is time to go. It's time to go. Why, do we spit? Why would God give us this weird sign of his powering presence? One, to remind us of our international destiny. Two, to remind us to break free of all spiritual racism and making up who should be preached to and who shouldn't be. Three, to remind us that we must communicate the gospel in the language of the people. And number four, a reminder that an impossible God is with us. Signs and wonders and miracles is all part of what he loves to do. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.